Hey everyone, Eric here. Very quickly before we get to our discussion today with the students about Guangzhou, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the China Africa Project. With your subscription, you'll get our email newsletter that provides the most comprehensive daily digest of everything going on in the China Africa space. News, insights, analysis. So if you're following these issues for work or you're interested in Chinese foreign policy and African politics, then you're going to really enjoy this newsletter. We've made it super easy to get started. Try it out for three months for just $3. That's a pretty good deal, right? Sign up today at ChinaAfricaProject.com slash subscribe. The China and Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa-China Reporting Project at Wits University in Johannesburg. The ACRP promotes balanced, considered reporting on Africa-China relations through innovative training programs held throughout the year. More information at africachinareporting.co.za. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast, a proud member of the Seneca Network from SubChina. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden, the senior China-Africa researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good morning to you, Kobus. Good morning. Kobus, it has been almost six months, about five months, since the outbreak of discrimination that occurred in the southern Chinese city of Guangzhou. And it was really a milestone of what's happened this year in China-Africa relations. And it sparked a lot of controversy on both sides, in China and also across Africa. I wrote a column earlier this week on this on the issue, looking back on what's happened over the past, say, four, five, six months now since then. And interestingly, it's died down a lot. But still, it feels like feelings on all sides have hardened. On the, one side in, on the one side in China, there's a sense that this was about the COVID-19 outbreak. There was no discrimination in their view. They moved quickly to try and repair the situation. There was a lot of action from the provincial authorities in Guangdong, as well as the city authorities in Guangzhou, to try and remedy what happened. But there was never really an acknowledgement that discrimination or racism occurred. Now, on the African side across the continent, but especially in places like Nigeria, there is a real seething resentment over still what happened. And feelings were really, really hurt because what ended up happening in the end in the resolution of all this was that Chinese authorities and Chinese officials like Foreign Minister Wang Yi uh, made a lot of amends to African governing elites at the African Union, to foreign ministers. There were expressions of regret, but there was no acknowledgement to African civil society, that something bad had happened and there was no apology. And that still, I think, sits with a lot of people the wrong way. So, Kobus, we haven't heard much since then in the past four or five months, but it is there and the tensions are still very much close to the surface. Yes, um, and, and I think it's it's going to be that way for a while um, because, it you know, um, beyond the, the, the specifics of, of the incident, uh, you know, in, in, in many, you know, in some cases in Africa, it's seen as as proof of a wider narrative, you know, kind of that that Africans are not really welcome in China or that, that you know, life there is inherently discriminatory or racist. Um, so it has, the story has a kind of a life of, of its own that keep, keeps continuing even as actual Guangzhou is settling down. So it was with a lot of interest when in the past couple of weeks we saw a new documentary come out by a group of five Chinese high school students who in July took a trip from Suzhou, which is in eastern China outside of Shanghai, all the way down to Guangzhou. So that's a pretty big distance for those of you not familiar with Chinese geography. It's a couple-hour flight. It's a long train ride. 
and they produced a documentary, Africans in Guangzhou, Misunderstanding, Discrimination, and Communication. Now, in the background there, you're hearing the introduction to it, where they're setting up the idea that they were curious about what happened when it was the events were going on back in April and wanted to go down to find out what happened. We are so honored to be able to have two of the students who produced the video, Chen Xingbei, who's a senior at Overseas Chinese Academy of Qiwei in Suzhou. She's 18 years old, and she is uh, planning to major in communications and sociology. A very good afternoon to you, Xingbei. Hi, good afternoon. And then we also have Xiao Kaiyuan, who is applying for universities in the United States and wants to major in chemistry, also from the Overseas Chinese Academy of Qiwei in Suzhou. A very good afternoon to you, Kaiyuan. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, good afternoon. Well, thank you both for joining us. We really enjoyed the the film. It was a lot of work that went into it, I'm sure. Uh, let's start with you, Xingbei, and just to find out, tell us a little bit about what motivated you to do this story now? And, and why did you think it was important to go down to Guangzhou and shoot this documentary? The reason why I went to Guangzhou is firstly because my special attention to Africans. I went to Kenya in grade 10, and before going there, my friends and relatives generalized Africa as a country of poverty and danger. So these opinions affected me in some extent. But when I talk with those locals when I talk with Kenyans, um, those passionate Kenyans changed my stereotypes. So I began to pay attention to their living situation in China. And during the pandemic, I saw lots of news on Africans being treated unfairly, like being evicted out of their houses um, or be prohibited to enter entering the shopping mall. And conflicts between the government and Africans are pretty serious on YouTube channels. So these issues raised my curiosity to be in Guangzhou and talk with locals to see what have happened on Earth. Were you seeing any of that on Chinese media or were you seeing that all on international media? I saw mostly how um, Africans are treated unfairly on international media, but there were news like um, news on on Chinese media are pretty, pretty like little. So one of the news I remember most is it's in April. The news is that nine Nigerian men who has confirmed positive has affected a few Chinese, even though it was later later confirmed by the Chinese government. But it, it, it was actually a rumors spreading in Guangzhou and it was posted on social media. So Chinese who are not from Guangzhou thought it was true. Uh, even though it's later confirmed by the government, some of them didn't saw the news and they believe that it is true. So it, it raised lots of like comments on the social platform. Um, and Kai Yuan, why did you decide to join the project? In like in April, I saw too many negative comments on Weibo, which is one social media in China, and the comments are too negative that almost make me think, well, is that is that true? So. So I'm just uh, wondering, I'm just wanting to figure out, like, is that true? What, what is happening in Guangzhou? Is that, are all the Africans, Africans like that or something like that? Yeah, I just want to figure out. 
So let me bring people back to where we were in April during when all this kind of started. At that time, Guangzhou had done a really good job at keeping COVID-19 at bay. There were relatively few infections. People had started to come out of the lockdowns in China. And then there was these instances in a Nigerian restaurant and also, as Xingbei mentioned, rumors of Nigerians being affected and people got really afraid. And it's not entirely clear if these were government orders or if people took their own actions about whether or not they could rent homes and hotels to foreigners, particularly those from Africa. And what ended up happening was this confluence of lots of different events came together and people were out on the streets. That then led to social media posts being published onto international channels, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and those showing all of this happening. And then we had this big explosion afterwards of of misunderstanding, discrimination, and communication, as you pointed out in the documentary. So Xingbei, when you were actually kind of watching this unfold over the, in April, and then it kind of settled down. How did you feel over the past three or four months as things, as the as it kind of dropped off the news, but yet as you kind of found out when you went to Guangzhou, there were still issues under the surface. What were you thinking over the past three or four months about this issue? About things happening in Guangzhou? Yeah, since, I mean, after April, it all settled down, but it didn't never really went away, as you pointed out in the documentary. But in the months of May, June, July, in the lead up to your documentary, what, how were you kind of thinking about this issue in terms of what was going on in Guangzhou? Honestly, I have to say that it is a complicated issue. I feel like the conflicts in Guangzhou seems to have accumulated for a long time and finally just broke out as a snowed. Um, first of all, the COVID-19 itself has already created a tense relationship between people, whether it is between people in their own country or in different countries. And what made Guangzhou people scared and all other, and all other Chinese was the rumors that spread in Guangzhou at an early stage. But it, we can't deny that it indeed stimulates panic in local areas, even though it's confirmed that, that they are fake. The second is that before the pandemic, China-Africa relationship um, was pretty intricate. I, I feel like Africans who haven't been to China or Chinese who haven't been to Africa hold sort of fixed stereotypes toward each other through the information line. But, but I cannot deny that all of those comments are wrong because... People have different experiences. Um, I remember one of the comments in my documentary was a local Guangzhou re- resident saying that Africans are lazy because as soon as they got their salaries, they would they wouldn't do anything. I so so like I can't deny his wrong because he indeed participate. He he actually involved in those issues, but. Um, I just want to say people are always interacting with others. Some of the people you interact with can be totally different from, from one another. And there are always different people in the same group, at least from my perspective. Um, like, there not only um, are volunteers coming from different parts of the world or Chinese students who are studying abroad, um, the new generations are seeing those things um, and wanted to change the, this situation. Kai Yuan, can, can you tell us a little bit about the process of making the movie? Was it difficult to get people to, to speak to you on, on camera? When you, when you talk to people, like you are going to film it or you are going to record it, they are very uh, nervous about that. So when you say that, they often 
after that, they often like they can only speak some neutral ideas. So it's a little bit hard for us to get the the real voice from Guangzhou,、uh, either from Guangzhou local people or Africans. So what we were doing is trying to like go into their heart. Like we talk, like we are not Chinese. We are people from like no country. We are not biased. We talk to them, and we we make them like trust us, so that we can get the like the real voice we want. Was it equally difficult interviewing Kaiyuan both Chinese and Africans? Because you have a nice mix of people in the documentary. But was it as difficult to get Africans to speak on camera as it was for Chinese? I would say they're equal, like the same. In Xingbei,、um, you know, how long did it take you to make the 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 movie? You know, kind of how long were you in Guangzhou for? And then,、um, you know, what was the process of of putting it together? We have been staying in Guangzhou for seven days, and then our itinerary was like from the morning until the night. We are interacting with different stakeholders, like businessmen,、um, college students. And for the first three days, we are interviewing and arranging the manuscripts.、Um, we didn't write the、uh, like script as、uh, when before we before our arrival because we don't know this real situation in Guangzhou. So on the third day, we finished our script, and、um, the other four days, our different people are meeting with different.、Um, Either it is Chinese or Africans, because the f- people who we, we met in the first three days have introduced lots of their friends to us. So we、um, are seeking different voices in our documentary, and the last few days was about.、Uh, but 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 through the、um, interaction with different stakeholders, we are、um, sh- we are shooting those we are recording those scenes,、um, and th- for the last two days we are editing. And to see if are there any clips that we have to supplement in. So, for those of you who are not familiar with Guangzhou, it is one of China's largest cities. It's the capital of Guangdong Province. It's close to Hong Kong.、Uh, very different cultural feeling in many ways than cities in the north. It's a trading hub, and it's also home to the largest African population, not only in China but all of Asia. Kai Yuan, when you were there. Talking to the African community, what was the feeling that you got? Because in the documentary, I got two senses. I, when you talk to、uh, some business leaders who were there, they were very optimistic and they were giving you a message of hope and that your generation can help change the future and make things better. You also talked to some people who were a little bit more—they、um, didn't have such a positive outlook. They said that they encountered a lot of discrimination, they encountered a lot of difficulties in their lives, and since COVID nineteen, things have become more difficult. Tell us a little bit about the feelings that you came across from the different African sources you spoke with. So my opinion is that、uh, what they experienced is is the same. Like all of the Africans, they they all undergo like、uh, all the discrimination and all that. But there is about it's about their their mindset when like their attitude towards these. Uh, discrimination, like for those、uh, businessmen, I would believe that they are more. They they think it's very normal to like the discrimination happen because、uh, it it's a new, uh, it's a new experience for the local people to meet them. But 
so they are they are thinking it's a process of uh, getting really getting into the Chinese community. But for for those like um those people who just wanna trade in Guangzhou, they they will think like they don't want to like uh really uh incorporate themselves into Guangzhou community community. They want they only wanna like make uh make trades. So their attitudes is this is is not the same. It's they are saying, oh, the local people treat me bad, so I would not live here. Like I will go back to my country. So it's a two different uh, attitudes towards those uh, discrimination. Support for this podcast comes from the Africa China Reporting Project at Wits University School of Journalism in Johannesburg. The ACRP provides reporting grants, workshops, and other professional development opportunities for both African and Chinese journalists. Follow the ACRP on Twitter at WitsChinaAfrica or visit africachinareporting.co.za for information about grants and upcoming seminars. Um, Xingbei, you, you mentioned in the documentary, one, one of the big themes in the documentary is communication and a, a breakdown in communication between these two groups. Now that you've spent time there and that you've made the documentary, how do you look at this communication problem? Is it is it only a problem of people not being able to speak each other's languages? So language is like the first, is more like a superficial level. So the idea of communication is actually brought by like uh, Kenny, that when we are interacting with different people at first, we thought that language barrier was a problem. And then not only the language problem, but also the stereotypes toward, towards different, like between those two different races. I think Kenny have met with businessman from Congo. He couldn't, he didn't speak English and they, but they can communicate through um, the translator. So we conclude that it is because the mentality of communicating, whether people want 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 to actually communicate or learn from each other. Kaiyuan, now that you've spent time in Guangzhou and that you've you know kind of went through the whole process of making the movie and and you've really um, thought about all of these problems, how optimistic are you? that relations between Africans in Guangzhou and the Guangzhou um, Chinese, you know, kind of larger Guangzhou community will improve? Like, you know, kind of do, do, you, do you get a feeling that 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 April, that the, the events in April was a, a big crisis and people learned from it and, they, and they're doing something new to improve the situation? Or is, are things kind of the same as they were in April or before April then? The China-African relationship is still largely depend on the uh, the majority of Chinese people. Like we, uh, we for us those uh, working on the uh, China and African uh, relationships, we are actually the minority. So the majority they still don't understand the like the importance of uh, communicating with each other. So. Um, but I'm still optimistic. Like the new generation, like us, uh, born after the two thousand, we are getting a new insight that uh, the China cannot leave Africa and the Chi- Africa cannot leave China. So our new generation is 
getting to know the importance of relying on each other. So, but the like you know the older generation, they are, um, they don't know about this kind of idea. So, uh, they are actually the, the barrier between China and African, uh, relationship. Yeah, no, I agree on that. Xingbei,、um, very quickly, wrapping up our discussion here. You published the video on both YouTube and also on、uh, Bilibili. And for those not familiar, Bilibili is a、uh, Chinese social media video platform, a video sharing platform. What has been the response that you've gotten from people、uh, about the video and the key messages that were in it when you published it on Bilibili? Like most of the comments are pretty neutral, but there are definitely some negative comments. As I mentioned, some local residents commented that Afri-、uh, Africans in Guangzhou are lazy, but others are mostly、um, young teenagers. They comment that's how this thing happened, or they got new size and they feel like like they are they change their some perceptions toward toward Africans. Yeah, I think it's. It's much more positive than I thought because I feel like <laughs> some local residents would leave lots of negative comments on on it. Kaiyuan, what response did you get for the video? I still saw one comment that、um, is saying like all the Africans are lazy. They they get the money and they go out, and they are not going back to work until they consume all their money. And and we we actually comment back. We we say. That's that's only that may be only happened to one people, but he still、uh, insisted that well, if if the same thing happened to one or two or maybe even more, then it's not uh, uh you know one people's one person's uh affairs. It's uh you know about race or that, and we and we know it's it's hard for us to change the those ideas. Yeah, still very hard. So, looking into the future, Xingbei, you mentioned that that you want to、um, that you want to do communications. Are like both of you? Are you interested in making more movies on on some of these same issues? For me, the reason why I want to major in communication is because my African, my Kenyan experience. I wanted to learn how biases are perpetuated and want to reduce those biases as a、um, documentary filmmaker. So, yeah, I think in the future I would be. Uh, making documentaries on that, on that those aspects. And Kaiyuan, you you mentioned you you're interested in studying、um, chemistry, but do you think you might make more movies on the side as well? Yeah, I'm very willing to be like,、uh, as a young student, young Chinese students,、um, trying to communicate both sides, trying to let everyone hear our voice,、uh, the the voice from the younger generation. So it's a responsibility that. The Nigerian community leaders, like, told me to, I、uh, taught me to, uh, uh, to, uh, to take. So yeah, I'm really. I do wanna make another movie or you know something else about、uh, China and Africa. The documentary is Africans in Guangzhou: Misunderstanding, Discrimination, and Communication. It's up on YouTube. We have the link in the show notes and on our website. It's a fantastic twelve to thirteen minute、uh, trip from five high school students down to Guangzhou from Suzhou. 
Uh, it was filmed and directed by Chen Xingbei, who's a senior at the Overseas Chinese Academy in Qiwei in Suzhou. Also, Xiao Kaiyuan, who is also at the Overseas Chinese Academy in Suzhou as well. Congratulations to both of you. You have given both Kobus and I an enormous amount of optimism about the excitement from the, the next generation and the young generation. We're so glad to have had the opportunity to speak with you. And thank you for taking the time. And again, congratulations. We wish you the best in your college application process. Thank you. Thanks. Kobus, I cannot emphasize how important this documentary is. It is, to me, it was, it's critical because one, it represents the voice again, and we heard this, of a different generation, a young generation who was approaching these issues with a very different outlook. And again, so easy to to bulk all Chinese together and say the Chinese or this. And it shows you from this conversation how much diversity there is within the Chinese body politic and how everybody is not the same and there is a, a, a tension in the society over these perceptions. The second thing that's important about this documentary is that it is truly an authentic view. This is not CGTN, this is not Xinhua, and the fact that it was a little bit rough around the edges, the fact that the audio isn't perfect always, the fact that the video cuts were not 100%, just to me adds so much to the storytelling. Because all we see coming out of this is official narratives. And here we have an authentic voice. And, and that's all I kept seeing. And I just, again, I'm so happy that these kids did this. And I think it's such an important part of the discourse that we don't focus enough in the conversation, both in Africa and in China, as to what teenagers and young people are seeing and how they perceive these issues. Yes, I completely agree. It also, you know, it, it, it shows, it's, it's a very interesting glimpse into this kind of evolution of, of Chinese society. I mean, we always point out that Chinese is, that China isn't traditionally a, a, a destination for immigrants, you know, so there isn't really a culture of of integrating immigra immigrants or, um, you know, this is kind of idea of oneself as a nation of immigrants, the way that one sees in, in the United States or in Australia, for example. Um, so it's very interesting to see the kind of difficulties and complications of China starting to kind of factor in the fact that they now have, a, you know, kind of a semi-permanent immigrant population. Um, and, you know, kind of the, uh, like how that plays out very awkwardly and difficult, in, in difficult ways in many ways. But it is a fantastic kind of, uh, account of, of that in action. There is some new public opinion surveys that have been coming out recently over the past few weeks that I've been reading. Uh, Chinese views across the board have become a little bit more hardened towards immigrants. Oftentimes that is conflated with uh, the fear of COVID-19 infections as well. And so there are just as immigration is a complex issue in the U.S., uh, certainly in South Africa, in Europe today, in many countries, uh, it's also a complicated issue in China. And it's we don't really talk about, as you pointed out, because China is not a, traditionally an immigrant country. Uh, so we don't really focus too much on what public perceptions of immigrants and others are. Uh, and it is, uh, but it is a reality that is a complex issue there. But these young people have a chance to change some of that narrative. And it's really a lesson, I think, for the Chinese propagandists out there who keep giving us this blah, mediocre narrative that's always the same. And it's and what this 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 documentary was so great was that it brought nuance to the discussion. It didn't. You don't walk away from this thinking that. There is no discrimination in China. There's no racism in China. You, you see this as a complex issue that people are actively on the ground trying to work through. And that's what's missing from 
again, the boring narratives coming out of state propaganda. And if only the state propaganda would loosen up a little bit on that, they'd actually, I think, in some ways have a better opportunity to communicate their story if that's what they want to do. I have no idea what the Chinese propagandists want to communicate because whatever they're doing, they're targeting that communication at a very small slice of the African public, which is those elites, I think, at the top and the masses, they're not reaching and not connecting. And they're showing no humility whatsoever that they actually want to, because if they did, they would actually take some lessons from from these students in, in terms of how to tell stories. Final thoughts to you, Kobus. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, th- I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great to watch this this um, documentary also because it's so new, you know, kind of so, so, so all of the, the issues, it's only a few months ago that it happened. All of these issues are still raw in, in Guangzhou. So so it, it really is important watching. I think um, you know it's 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 good to 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 kind of take the temperature on the situation, and you also get the feeling that okay, you know some things have improved, but some of the problems are really deep rooted. You know, kind of, and, and it's it's going to take it's it's going to these problems are going to be with us for a while. Um, so I think it's it's good to you know this this is a is an important document. I think of that process. I want to give a quick shout out to China House and the folks there, also Huang Hongxiang, who gave us a tip on this documentary. Also, the students who uh, made the film have written an essay that's also going to be on the site. So we'll have their essay plus uh, the, the, a link to the, to the YouTube version of the film that you can watch as well. Again, it's about 12, 13 minutes. It's in Chinese, but there are English subtitles below it. And uh, it's a really great watch and a really great opportunity to see a different point of view that we don't often see in the China-Africa discourse. So that'll do it for this edition of the show. Once again, a very quick reminder, we've just launched a, a new pricing structure for our daily email newsletter. Uh, three months, $3, a dollar a month, try it out. We just would love to have you kind of see what we're doing every day. Kobus and I put this newsletter together uh, on all the day's news and all in the day's analysis for China-Africa relations on terms of politics, things like Guangzhou, uh, debt relief, all of that is in the newsletter every day. Go to chinaafricaproject.com slash subscribe and sign up and give it a try. $3 for three months. So that'll do it. Kobus and I will be back again next week with another episode. For Kobus Fenstad, I'm Eric Olander. Thank you so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Gwobas at Stadinsky or Eric at E. Olander. And be sure to sign up for the weekly China and Africa email newsletter by going to www.chinaafricaproject.com. Mm-hmm.